I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. What impact will the green tax credit in the Inflation Reduction Act have on climate change and greenhouse gas emissions? The House Select Committee on the Climate Crisis recently held a hearing to find out, and we had an inside source at that hearing. Phil Rossetti, of course, is from the R Street Institute, uh, resident senior fellow there, and uh, actually testified before Congress last Thursday. And uh, Phil, thanks for joining us as always. And uh, give us some perspective in terms of uh, being in that committee hearing. Uh, what was the sense in the room? That's a great question. You know, it's always interesting when they have a hearing on the effects of legislation after it's actually been you know, <laughs> voted on and passed into law. Uh, but you know, I think the focus was really on how much of a difference do these tax credits make? And they brought in witnesses from industries that are going to benefit from these tax credits who, and of course, uh, you know, point out the benefits that will have. Uh, but really, I was trying to provide a, a different perspective, which is, yes, the tax credits can have significant benefit just because of the sheer volume of spending in them. But there are barriers to actually achieving those benefits, which are shouldn't be discounted, namely regulatory barriers to actually deploying new clean energy but there's also an important element that gets lost in this, which is every dollar that the government spends has to come from somewhere, and it's probably going to be coming from a taxed American. So the method in which we raise these funds is equally important. And then when we compare that to the benefit of the tax credits, we see that it largely ends up as a wash. And uh, for people who are going to be on the, the receiving end of the taxes, which at least a, a good chunk of it will fall on corporate workers, it's not going to be as pretty a picture. Yeah, well, let's let's dig into those. You uh, as you were there before the committee, uh, let, let's start first with just some of those regulatory burdens. It's it's one of those interesting wraparound things at the moment where you've got uh, those on the political right who have long said, "Hey, we got to clean up the regulatory burden and we got to make it easier and quicker and fairer." Uh, and then suddenly we have some on the left who are now saying, wait a minute, our our projects are taking four years to get approved and it's costing us a lot of extra money and red tape and regulatory stuff. Uh, where do we stand on that? And, and what is the impact of that part uh, on the cost of all of this? Yeah. Yeah. Four years would actually be lucky. <laughs> so <laughs> the, you know, it's interesting because one of the most optimistic assessments of the Inflation Reduction Act said that we could reduce emissions to about 42% below 2005 levels. And I'd, I'd estimate less than that, but uh, you know that's one of the most optimistic. And they said that 80% of that benefit was contingent upon transmission growth for electric power. Mm. And when we look at the transmission uh, interconnection timelines, or really greater interconnection timelines for new resources, uh, it used to be about two years. Now it's closer to four years. And you're seeing in some places that it's actually eight years. Wow. So actually building these resources and getting them online is a huge endeavor. And then we also have really big projects that can get uh, uh, wrapped up in what they call the National Environmental Policy Act. And that process can take several years, about 65% of the major energy projects on the federal permitting dashboard are actually renewable energy projects. 
So it's not an easy process to address this. And if you can't address it, then you really don't get any benefit from the um, Inflation Reduction Tax tax credits for clean energy on the uh, utility scale side. Yeah, and I, I think that's such a, uh, an interesting thing to, to dig into. And uh, I love the fact that you raised the fact <laughs> that they're having this hearing on the impact of the legislation after it's already been passed. Uh, that we'll we'll save that one for a, a chuckle for another day. Uh, but as uh, as you were sitting there and as you were talking through this uh, with members of Congress and and looking at this, uh, wh- where does the funding come? Who gets taxed? Who doesn't? How does that play out? Uh, what was the what was the response in terms of saying, hey, someone is going to pay for this, and uh, do we know this is actually going to produce the result everyone's saying we want it to produce? Yeah, it's you know an interesting question because the you know one of the major funding mechanisms of the IRA are uh, is the corporate minimum tax. So it's corporate taxes on corporations that make a, a certain level of profit, which sounds really popular and it was very popular, which is why it was in there. But then we actually dig into okay, what effect does this have? Who's paying for it? We see that it's not just the corporate investors who bear the brunt of this tax. But an estimated about half of that are going to fall on corporate workers. Mm-hmm. And only a, a few members, interestingly enough, were keen on that, uh, mostly from the minority side, the Republican side, who are more sensitive to these issues. Uh, but it gets lost in the discussion. You know, there's this kind of idea that, oh, you know, this, this tax is only going to affect the rich. Uh, but the research has always shown that corporate taxes uh, fall largely on corporate workers, even taxes like this. Uh, so this is kind of a new thing uh, to have this minimum tax as opposed to a conventional corporate tax. But even that, uh, the academics say, you know, th- this is not going to be something isolated to the poor. Uh, and so that's something that's kind of we're still shaking out. But it it could do more harm than good uh, if we're really looking at the balance of the effects. And that's generally what we see from the CBO and uh, Tax Foundation and their estimates of, of the legislation. Yeah, and so as you as you look at where this goes from here, um, did you get any sense at all in terms of uh, anyone on the committee? We we often remark that these uh, hearings shouldn't be called hearings because very few of them are actually listening. They're they're trying to get their social media moment in there. Uh, not all not everyone tunes in like we do to make sure Phil you know delivers a, a, a compelling centralizing message on C-SPAN, uh, but we did. Uh, and uh, but for the for the average voter. You know, looking at it, did anything get through? Was there any kind of uh, conversation or observation of, hey, we need to have a different kind of discussion? Let's let's get to the noble goal. I think everybody can agree on a lot of those things. Uh, but is there a path to actually get there? Yeah, it, it's a good question because I think you're right. It's a little sad how oftentimes the politics, especially this close to an election, can sometimes override the uh, the fact-finding missions of the hearings. Uh, but, you know, there was some interest in the need for permitting reform and some acknowledgement of uh, these potential barriers to achieving the outcomes. Uh, but there was also, you know, a lot of concern as to the net effects. So it, it's kind of this, uh, you know, we, we really wish that the members would really delve deeply into trying to find the most optimal path forward on the policy but in a situation like this where the policy's already been made, it can 
seem a lot more like an effort to justify rather than to mm. um, you know, pursue policy, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that justification path is always a scary one. There's a, there's a certain place that seems to be the end of those good intentions on that road. <laughs> so. Right. It's, uh, it's never a good way to pursue policymaking. Yeah, absolutely. Phil Rossetti, resident senior fellow at the R Street Institute. Uh, appreciate your appearance there before Congress. That's an important thing that in those committee hearings to have experts come in and uh, and share across the spectrum uh, data, real information, uh, so that we can make better decisions. And uh, hopefully next time around, uh, Phil, they'll have you in front of the uh, legislation actually getting voted on uh, so changes and, and additions and modifications can be made because that's where we have to go on any policy, but especially when it comes to climate, the environment, taxes, things that are impacting so many Americans. Uh, Phil Rosé, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right, again, that's Phil Rossetti, resident senior fellow at the R Street Institute, uh, a great inside source for us. And as I said, he appeared before the committee, uh, was one of the witnesses there at the hearing. And, and it's so important when we look at these hearings uh, that we actually dig into it. And I, I know it's not the stuff that you're going to see on all the national cable news networks. It's not the things you're going to see uh, everybody getting animated about on Twitter or any of the social media outlets. Uh, because it's the hard work. It's the heavy lifting stuff. But if we don't get that right, the rest of it is all going to be wrong. And we can vote for great sounding bills, uh, whether that's inflation reduction, whether that's climate preservation. We can vote for all of those good things. But if it doesn't have good policy underneath the title, it's not good. And I know sometimes it's hard to vote no on something that sounds so good. The job for all of us is to get beyond that headline and get into what is the actual policy and what is the impact and long-term ramifications of it, because that is what's going to impact all of us in the end. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, as we march our way towards Election Day, we're going to unveil some new things you can count on here on Inside Sources. Stick around. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.